Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome. If, if we have not yet met, my name is Kyle Corcoran, and I'm the associate pastor here at the Grove. Um, if you didn't know, I get to lead the Sunday morning teams that help get everyone connected, and I get to lead the Grove students. I want to show you a picture. Oh. Does anybody here know who this guy is? All right. A whole two of you know who this guy is. All right. Some of you know. Okay. Some of you know. Some of you don't know. This is Nolan Ryan. Uh, this is right after he handled um, Robin Ventura. Um, so some of you are like, dude, you, you know, like, you know. Um, and so I want to tell you a story of how I met a guy who owns one of Nolan Ryan's toilets. All right, that's not where you thought I was going with it, but that's where we're going. <laughs> that's where we're going today. All right, so I want to tell you a story, story of how I met a guy who owns one of Nolan Ryan's toilets. And so a couple of years ago, a good friend and I, we were on a flight home from Dallas to Kansas City. It was a full flight, except for one seat, the seat that was between my friend and I. He had the, uh, the window seat, there was a seat between us, then there was my seat, and I had the aisle seat. So I was able to kind of sprawl out, I was even able to stick my leg out in the aisle, you know, like, as appropriate, until the guy who owned Nolan Ryan's toilet started making his way down the aisle, and I knew that my... my lap of comfort, luxury of flying home with uh, my legs sprawled out um, was, was coming to an end. I like space. I like space on airplanes. I like space in my home. I like to be able to walk clearly through a path without stubbing my toe on a toy. I, I think that, that you like space as well. You like space on airplanes. You like space in your car. You like space in your homes, but each of our definition and comfort levels of space is different. When we don't have the space that we need, we feel trapped. It's difficult to maneuver or to adjust, and we really prefer not to share the armrests. And we like space because it gives us the freedom to think clearly. When we're thinking clearly, we can be thoughtful and intentional about how we want to live our lives. When we're thinking clearly, we, can, we tend to make better choices rather than when we don't have space. We tend to be tense. The same is true when it comes to our finances. We like space. But each of us has our own definition of space, especially when it comes to money. So um, if we're going to get on the airplane of of money or, or of finances, if you will. Some of us, we're okay with the middle seat, like we're on the plane. Some of us, we prefer the aisle seat, like we can, at least we can stick a leg out and get a little wiggle room every once in a while. Others of us aren't really comfortable until we get the emergency exit seat. You know, like where there's, there's, the seat is gone in front of you, like you can really sprawl out there. If you, if, if you know, you know, like if you're my height, like you love that seat. But regardless of what our space margin is, we tend to make better and more thoughtful and intentional choices regarding money when we have financial space. 
So today we're kicking off a series, a new series called Make Space. And we're going to see what the Bible says about how God's outlook on money helps us make space for our living and for our giving. We need a series like this because we want room. We, we want space in our minds. We don't want money to be this, this restriction or this hindrance to us, especially, um, and we, we really want to do what God wants us, us to do with, with re, in regards to money, especially for those of us whose allegiance is with Jesus. Now, if you're here today and your allegiance is not with Jesus, then we welcome you. We're, we're super excited that you're here with us today. Um, there's possibly even some things and tips that you can get from the sermon today, maybe even some questions to ask yourself later or uh, some conversation starters at, at lunch. But I would suspect that, that right now, many of us are feeling some sort of pressure from money. It makes us tense on a whole nother level. If there's anything that can bring pressure, it's money. It's like it chases you around. Financial pressure can cause us to act out of fear. And because of that, we, we can end up doing things that we didn't really know that we were doing or doing something that we actually didn't want to do. And even a little bit of space would change the game for you. It would give you the courage that you needed to have some space in your mind and to, to no longer live in fear, fear, but instead uh, live courageously as God has called you to live. We all have money habits of, of, of some kind here. Some of them are good, and some of them, they're just not so good, okay? And these come from a lifetime of actually practicing these habits. Some of these habits form out of a reaction of what has happened to us. We have some pretty influential uh, memories of money, so let's go down the money memory lane of your life, and I want to ask you a question. Think of your earliest and most influential money memory. It may come to you right away, or it may come to you uh, during, during lunch as you're eating your cheeseburger or whatever. Um, see, I'm giving you something to talk about at, at lunchtime. For me, it was, it was late elementary age. Um, my, my parents told my, my younger brother and I that one of them had been let go from their job. And it was that time in that, that season of life, it changed how I viewed money. It really shaped me. And it still influences how I view money to this day, for good and for bad. These early money memories shape how we think about money in our lives for years to come. Even if we had really good money lessons growing up and you had a piggy bank that looked like this, where it says give, save, spend. Even if it, or, or maybe you said tithe, save, spend, or something of, of that sort. You were, really you were taught really good principles growing up. Even if this is the case, I think that we can still learn some things today about, how, about God and his outlook on how to make space in our finances and with our stuff. So today we're going to look, about, look at a lesson that, that Jesus teaches, and he teaches it in the form of a parable. Jesus, he teaches parables, and I love parables because they're these made-up stories that he tells to describe to his audience what life, in, what life is like in God's economy, what it's really like. 
And this parable, this particular parable that we're going to look at, just illustrates not only the benefits of being a good steward or a good manager of what has been entrusted to us, but it also helps us understand and explains why financial management could be so challenging. So we're going to be looking at the parable. It's in Matthew chapter 25. It's verse 14. It's on page 895. And so if you don't have a Bible, there's one on the, on the seat, on the ground, and underneath the seat in front of you, or right underneath you, depending on where you are sitting. So we're on, we're on page 895, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. And we're going to read through verse 18. For it was just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own, his, he called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So the master, he, he goes on a journey, and he, he's entrusted a lot of money uh, to his servants. And there's something helpful for us to know here today is that when it's speaking about a talent, it's not speaking about an ability. It's speaking about money, actually a, a large amount of money. Uh, a talent is, is, is actually a weight and it's a weight that describes an amount of money. So give or take 15 pounds, a talent is about 75 pounds of either gold or silver. The amount, the dollar amount isn't exactly known, but you can, can think of it in this way. It's probably about 3,000 days worth of work. So consider $100 a day times 3,000. You, you can do the math there. This is not like 500 bucks. This is, this is a good amount of change. So he gives them, he, he, entrusts his, uh, he entrusts five talents to the first servant. He entrusts two talents or uh, a whole bunch of gold to the second servant. And he entrusts uh, the third servant with one talent. Each of these servants was, was given a responsibility to manage their, man, their, man, their master's money. Each of these servants was given the responsibility to manage their master's money. In our case, God has given us a certain responsibility to manage what is his. And because it's his, we want to manage it well. Therefore, it's helpful for us to have some space when it comes to our finances. To have more financial space, we must understand that everything that we have belongs to God. This really changes our responsibility of our possessions. But it's, really, it's kind of hard for us to grasp, to fully grasp, but we, we need to try to grasp this if we really want to get some space when it comes to our finances. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, does God really own the money that I work hard for? That doesn't seem fair. I think that's a valid question. I think that's a fair question. But we're going to look and see what, what the Bible has to say about that. The servants in this parable, they understood whose money it was. Verse 14 says, He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. 
Similarly, in verse 25, and hid your talent in the ground. Not only did the servants understand this, but the people who were listening, Jesus' original audience, they understood it too. The entire Bible points to this reality that God is the owner of everything. He's the owner of everything. Psalm 24 says this, The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. Same with Colossians. Chapter 1, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. While the parable, it talks about talents as money, the principle that God is the owner of everything still applies. It applies to our abilities, it applies to our skills, and it even applies to our time. God is the creator and owner of all of these things. He's been your silent partner the entire time. He's been your key investor your entire life, whether you knew it or not. I remember the first time that I kind of started getting a, a grasp on this. I was, um, I was driving in my, my 1998 Ford Explorer. It was a, a two-door Ford Explorer. And I was driving down the road, and I remember thinking, man, God built that building. But he didn't just like speak it into existence. Like He created a bunch of people, and he gave them brains, and he, he created these materials, and but he didn't like cut the wood and all that stuff, but like he's the original of everything. Like, man, God did that. And I just it just went on this tangent. I, I it was this, this realization that I had never had before that God is the owner of everything. The fact that that everything we have belongs to God is, is great news for us here today. When, when we let this sink in, it can change the game for us. To not be the owner can can actually be relief. See, God is the best provider, and, and sometimes we feel like God hasn't given us enough. And then we start to worry. The guy with one talent starts looking at the guy with five talents. Well, I didn't get five talents. I only got one talent. We struggle with this. I struggle with this. In Matthew 6, help is very helpful for me when this, when this struggle begins to happen. Verse 31. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. As, as we learn to accept this reality that, that every good thing comes from God, it makes space for us to live as God has called us to live. That's humbling and empowering. To acknowledge that, that we are not the owners of our possessions, but managers. And not just managers, but God wants us to be faithful managers. God wants, he wants us to be a faithful manager. And, and we can learn what it's like to be a faithful manager from the first two servants. So we're going to look back at verse 19. Starting in verse 19, it says this, After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received 
Five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. Down to verse 22. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. These two servants, the one who had, was given five and the, the one who was given two, they were faithful. They were faithful with their time. They didn't procrastinate. They got to work right away. They were faithful with their abilities to manage what God has given them. And they were faithful because they understood the realities of their master. They knew him to be a good master. They loved and they trusted him. And they wanted to bring him honor. And when he returned from his journey, they knew that he was going to come back and square up with them, that he was going to keep them accountable. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. They knew this was going to happen. So did the first servant. Just as we can learn what it means to be a, a good, a, a faithful with our stuff from a good servant or good servants, we can also learn what it means to be a faithful manager from someone who is not a faithful manager. We learn what not to do from the third servant who was given only one talent. He was entrusted with his master's possessions according to his ability, just like the other two. But instead of using his time and his abilities for his master's interests, he does something different. And, it, and it's kind of strange to us, but it, honestly, it was perfectly normal for them to do this at this time, and it was very safe for them to, to do this. He, he digs a hole um, in the ground, and he hides his money in that hole. Remember, we're dealing with like approximately 75 pounds of money here, so he's not digging like six inches. He's digging like three feet, okay? So he's not, he, he's, he's really digging, okay? Here's the thing. You're not taking this approach, and I'm not taking this approach. I'm not getting, I'm not liquidating my savings account and saying, and starting digging, digging up uh, holes in my yard and hiding my money in, uh, in my backyard and saying to my kids, hey, listen, your will, or my will, um, and your inheritance, it's in the backyard. You're going to need a shovel. Like, that, that's, that's not the approach that any of us are taking here today. But we need to ask the question, why did he do this? This is the question that we need to get at here. Verse 24. The man who had received one talent approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. He was afraid. Fear made him hesitate. Fear caused the, the, this, this servant to play it safe. For us, when fear sets in, it starts running the show. It takes over everything. It suffocates out courage. It suffocates out initiative. Our minds kind of go foggy. And instead of moving forward ag aggressively, we freeze. Fear can, can restrict and hinder us from doing what God has called us to do. I've been this guy. Responding to pressure-filled situations with, with fear, instead of being faithful with what God has entrusted to me. We've all been this guy. 
We've all been unfaithful with what God has entrusted to us. We've all been lazy. We've all been cowardly. We've all been selfish towards God. Now, I want to point something out here. The Christian's faithfulness, the one who has made, whose allegiance is with Jesus, their faithfulness, however, isn't based on their works, but instead on what Jesus did on the cross for them. A Christian Christian trusts in Jesus because they have realized they haven't been faithful. But they've put their hope in Jesus because he is faithful. The cross is where Jesus proved his faithfulness. It was on the cross where this this great exchange happens, as, as Pastor Christian has described before. On the cross, it's where Jesus' faithfulness is exchanged for our unfaithfulness. Jesus' righteousness is exchanged for our unrighteousness. Or my favorite way of putting it is Jesus' sinlessness is exchanged for our sinfulness. We get what is his. Second Corinthians 5.21 says it like this. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For those of us who are, are in Christ and understand who, who you are, we, when we remember this, We know that we don't have to manufacture courage. When when you know and you understand who you are in Christ, fear kind of goes down. It it goes down. A lack of understanding of who God is and who you are can cause us to respond in fear. It can restrict and hinder us from doing what God God wants us to do. A way to reduce fear and create more space is understanding who you are like we just talked about and where you are at with your finances. So we're going we're to take a minute to, to be honest, at least with ourselves in our seat. Uh, this isn't about how much money you make or how much is in your, in your bank account. It's about how we feel about our financial situation. So there's going to be some on the screen, and I, I just want you to think about which one of these most resonates with you. Remember that, that each... Uh, Each of us need a certain amount of financial space to begin thinking clearly. When we know where we're at, uh, knowing where we're at is the first step to getting where where God wants us to be. And the step towards having financial space is learning how to be faithful with what you have. In, in, In the parable, all the servants, they understand what they have. They're either given five talents or two talents or, or one talent. And so something that you could, could do this week to better help you understand where you are at is take some time to do an honest evaluation of where you are at with your finances and write down one small step to do in order to be faithful with what you have. Now, if you just need a little bit of fodder, here's some, a, a very simple suggestion. You can do whatever you want, but here's the suggestion is that you could... You could download an expense tracking app on your phone so that way you know where your money is going at least. That's a small step that you could do. Despite the fact that that each of the servants has different amounts, that he's given different amounts, what the master cared about most was that they were faithfully managing his stuff. The bottom line here is 
Not how much you have. But what matters is being faithful with what God has given you to manage and having God's best interest at heart as you faithfully, as you learn how to faithfully manage that stuff. To do that, we need to pay close attention to what we have and understand that what we do have doesn't last forever. Proverbs 27, verses 23 through 24 talks about this. It says, Know well the condition of your flock. Pay attention to your herds. For wealth is not forever, not even a crown lasts for all time. Now, I don't, I don't think that's the case for like flocks and herds. That's probably not the case for, for most of us. But most of us, we have a, a savings account or, or a, a checking account. Some of us, we have stocks and bonds and hedge funds and, and IRAs. But, but this also applies to our physical and our intellectual skills. It even applies to our time. God wants us to pay careful attention to how we use what he's given to us. When we start understanding that everything that we have belongs to God and we are managers, it becomes very clear that every financial decision that we make speaks volumes to our understanding of who God is. Because our financial decisions, they're, they're pretty interesting things. They, they say a lot about what is important to us. If we, if we understand who God is, then we will know that God rewards faithfulness. Faithful management gets rewarded. Let's look at how the master settles accounts with the servants who doubled their master's money. Let's take a look. Both 21 and verse 21 and 23, they say the same thing. They say this. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. For the, for, for the servants, the master's joy is the reward. For us, our reward is Jesus. The one who exchanged his faithfulness for our unfaithfulness. He's our reward. When it comes to what has been entrusted to us, God will reward those who manage his money and his possessions faithfully. This is not a way to gain more money, though. It's a way to honor the Lord and to show those around us where our allegiance lies. And just like the faithful servants, they, they have their, their master's best interest in mind, we too have God's best interest in mind as we faithfully manage his stuff. God gives each of us according to our own ability. I find great courage in that fact, that God knows us well. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He's going to give us as he sees fit. We, have, however, have an opportunity to learn to be faithful with what he's entrusted to us. When we start understanding that everything that we have belongs to God, that God wants us to be faithful managers, and that faithful management gets rewarded, then it puts us in a very good position to make space in not only our financial area, but in all the other areas of life as well. Making space allows for fear to diminish and courage to be faithful to increase. Let's pray. Father, just as the 
the servants in the parable, the faithful servants in the parable, thought that you were a good um, master. Lord, we too know that you are a good God, a good God. We love you and we want to be faithful with what you've entrusted to us, but we need help. Would you help us today? Would you help us this week? Would you help us during this series to really get a, a good grip on our finances and really get a good grip on who you've called us to be and, and the skills and the abilities and the, the things that you've given us to manage? We want to manage them well. We want to manage them well for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day.